Hi, friends. This is Pastor Dan Jackson. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Jacobswell Church. My hope and prayer is that this message will be a blessing to you and lead you into worshiping and enjoying our great and gracious God. With that said, let me encourage you to use this message as a supplement to and not a replacement of a local church. Christ did not establish his church simply for us to consume messages, but so that we could be intimately invested in each other's lives as an authentic covenant community. Again, thank you for listening. And if you want more information about Jacobswell Church, please visit our website at www.jacobswellgb.org. Thanks for having us. It's great to be here. Uh, This morning, we're going to continue in the series from Mark. And so you can open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 13. And if you're using the red Bible in front of you, it's on page 849. And so previously in Mark, Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he's teaching what it means, basically, to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And so he's talked about how that impacts our money, our marriage, our relationship with the government. But this passage is a transition. Jesus is going to leave the temple, and it's going to signal the break with the religious system of the day. Now, as we get to this passage, it's the longest teaching passage in Mark, uh, the whole chapter. And we're going to do half of it. And it's a teaching about the end times. So I know some of you are going, great, and some of you are going, great. But it, we're going to unpack it, and it's going to have lots to say for us today. So let's read together. Mark chapter 13, verses 1 to 23, page 849 in your Bible. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be one left here. There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat down on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines, but these are but the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over... Do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved." 
But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house, nor take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in winter. For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead you astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. All right, let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you that you give us your word. Please help us to understand it, and please help us to use it, and please help us to be changed by it for our good and your glory. Amen. If you were hosting a guest in Green Bay, and you had one day, and you wanted to take them someplace and show them the one thing that best represents this city and its people and its culture, where would you take them? Lambeau Field. Um, when I first started dating my wife, my in-laws took me to Lambeau Field. When my parents came out for my wedding, we took them to Lambeau Field. When my children come visit America, we take them to Lambeau Field. Because that represents the heart of this city. And in some ways, this passage starts off like that. Jesus and his disciples are leaving the temple, and they look up, and the temple is the heart of the Jewish culture. And, I mean, really, it's quite an impressive building. For a little, a little background, the temple and its outer courts are about the size of 12 football fields. And it was over two and a half times as tall as Lambeau Stadium. So when this disciple says, look at these stones, look at these buildings, it really is something quite impressive. And really, he's just celebrating everything that God has done for his people. When this disciple says in verse one, teacher, look what wonderful stones and wonderful buildings, Jesus turns to him and says, one day, all of this will be gone. There will be nothing left. And Jesus, he's not being morbid, but what he's doing is he's reminding his disciples of this truth. That life will be turned upside down. Things will happen that will shake our culture, shake the world, and we're going to have to be prepared for that. Um, a few years ago, uh, Pastor Peter Wong, I was talking to him about COVID, and he made, the, he made the observation, he said, during COVID, people kept saying, we've got to get back to normal. But for the history of the world, pandemics, war, famine, the fall of nations, that is normal. See, Jesus is describing an event bigger than what 9-11 was for America. 
bigger than Hurricane Katrina. It's some, the destruction of the temple is something like COVID, something that totally changes the shape of the culture. And that's what's normal. Those things happen. And so whether you're a Christian or not, we all have to have a lens to understand what happens in the world. When these things happen, and they keep will, we have to know how to look at these things without being devastated, without being crushed, without being swept away along with the changing world around us. And that is what this passage is all about. See, this passage, Jesus is going to tell us how we view the world when it looks like or when it is falling apart. Now, in order to figure out what that means, we're going to look at this passage in three parts. We're going to ask three questions about this passage today. First, what does the destruction of the temple actually mean? Then, we're going to ask, what does this mean for us? And then, what does it mean for the world? So, let's dig in. Part one, what does the destruction of the temple actually mean? Now, there's no, there's no getting around it. This is a weird passage. Um, so to get at the point of what Jesus is talking about, we're going to have to do a little bit of theological heavy lifting at the front. But once we get through it, I think it's going to be pretty clear where Jesus is going. So the passage goes like this. Jesus says the temple will be destroyed. Then in verse 4, the disciples say, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to be accomplished? So that's the setup. And then, in order to track what's going on, the big idea is there's two parts to this passage. So first, in verses 5 to 13, Jesus is directly responding to the disciples' question. And he's saying, this is what is going to happen related to the destruction of the temple. So that's part one. But then, in verse 14, Jesus makes this transition. And he shifts from specifically talking about the destruction of the temple to talking about the time when God is going to judge the world. Now, we know this is what Jesus is doing because first, in verse 14, he starts with, but when? So that's clearly a transition statement. He's going to something else. But then also, in verses 5 to 13, Jesus uses this term, these things, these things, these things. So that's the destruction of the temple. Because the disciples asked, when are these things about to happen? But then, in verses 14 to 24, he starts to say, those days. For example, you can check here with me. Verse 17, Jesus says, and alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. And then 19, verse 19, for in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been seen from the beginning of creation that God created until now and will never be. So those days is kind of like, it's like a semi-technical term that in the Bible and Jesus' culture, that cultural moment, means the end times, the judgment day. Um, I mean, really it's kind of how we would say the end times or judgment day, right? Like, if you watch the movie, or if you heard about the movie, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, no one thought that was a movie about a group of lawyers, right? Okay, Judgment Day is this other thing that's happening. And in the same way, those days, Jesus is talking about the end. The end. So we've got these two things going on. 5 to 13, the temple. 14 to 23, the final judgment. And Jesus clearly is putting these two together. So the real question is, why? 
what is the relationship between this real historical moment, I mean, the temple was destroyed in AD 70, and God's final judgment? What is going on? What does this mean? Here's what Jesus is saying. The destruction of the temple means when the world is turned upside down, when events like the destruction of the temple or 9-11 or COVID or the Russian invasion of Ukraine happen, these are signs and shadows pointing to God's final judgment. So Jesus is saying the destruction of the temple is a sign or a shadow pointing to God's final judgment. You can think of it like this. If you've seen the movie Miracle, it's about the U.S. hockey team. They pick these college hockey players, and they're going to compete against the Soviet team, the Soviet uh, Olympic team, which is the best team in the world, undefeated for decades. And so they've got these, these ragtag group of college hockey players. They're getting together, and every week they watch a game film of the Soviets play. So every week they sit down and they watch the game film and they study how the Soviets play defense. They study the Soviet players. And each time they watch the game film, it's like a shadow or a sign pointing them to, preparing them for the big game. In the same way, Jesus is saying the destruction of the temple or all these other major events are signs or shadows pointing to the final judgment. Or you think about it like this. Uh, if you have kids, you know that when a mom starts to go into labor, you have birth pains, you have contractions. But it's not like one contraction and then you have the baby. Right, sometimes it's hours or days when you have contractions, and then finally the moment comes where the baby is born. And that's the metaphor Jesus uses. In verse 8, he says, these are the beginnings of the birth pains. He's saying, just like that first moment of pain is a sign or a shadow pointing to the moment the baby is born, the destruction of the temple and events like it are signs or shadows pointing to the final judgment. Okay. Now, once we, once we get all this in place, this really helps us with at least two things in this passage. So first, it helps us understand that really weird verse in verse 14. So verse 14 says, But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. You know, this commentary I was reading said, Mark says that and none of us know what he's talking about. Let the reader understand and no one understands. But now we got it. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Okay. The abomination of desolation, standing where it ought not to be, is also a historical event. In Daniel chapter 11, it describes, long before Jesus was born, when a Greek king named Antiochus Epiphanes breaks into the temple in Jerusalem, and he goes into the most holy part of the temple, and he sacrifices a pig on the altar of God, and it desecrates the temple. And so what Jesus is saying is, whether it's things in the future, like the destruction of the temple, or it's things in the past, like the desecration of the temple, evil rulers, persecution of God's people, war, famine, natural disasters, all these things are connected. They're all pointing toward what God is doing in history and what God will do at the end of history. 
Yeah, real brief, uh, before I go on, I have to say, it's only if you have this view of history or this view of these kinds of events that you have any hope to face them. See, all the events, Katrina, 9-11, COVID, Civil War, anything, they're all part of the history that God is overseeing and orchestrating. Each one of these events is part of something bigger. And when you see that, you realize each one of these events fits into a bigger puzzle. It's a piece of a bigger puzzle. But if you don't, if you don't see that all these things are part of God's bigger story, the worst events in history, the worst events in our cultural moment have no meaning. We look at them and you say, how could this happen? And there really is no answer. But a Christian, someone who follows Jesus, could look at the collapse of the temple or the collapse of America and say, you know, God is moving things forward. You can know, no matter how painful or catastrophic one event is, that God is doing something. And it's because of these events, because of these things, we see God pointing to his bigger story and what he's doing. So, the destruction of the temple tells us that God is doing something bigger. It is pointing to God's control of history and the final judgment. Second, what does this mean for us today? Now, briefly, it means we need to be ready so that we are not lured away from Christ. Okay, so once you do all the theological heavy lifting of the passage, the, you see that this passage is full of application. And Jesus' big idea is be on guard. So for example, in verse 5, he warns us to be on guard against false messiahs. Verse 5, he says, See that no one leads you astray. Then, verse 7 and 8, he warns us to be on guard in the midst of wars and famine. Then, in verse 9 to 13, he's speaking about persecution, and he, he directly says, Be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you'll be beaten in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. Okay, and the last one, verse 23, again, be on guard. I have told you these things beforehand. So he's describing all of these different things that could assault us or draw us away, catch us off our guard. And so the application is be on guard. But if you want to distill them down to one big idea, it's verse 13. Jesus says, and you'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but, right here, the one who endures to the end will be saved. So the word endure is quite an amazing word picture in the original. Um, it could describe a person who has a huge weight on top of him, and no matter how heavy the weight is, he doesn't budge. And it can also be used to describe someone who's in a house, and something's happening, and every other person is leaving. But that person remains. He endures. He stays put. 
when everyone else is getting out. Here's what Jesus is saying. When it looks like the world is falling apart around you, you will want to run to someone or something else to save you. But be on your guard. Your heart will want to run away, but don't do that. Endure. Remain with me. Remain under my protection. That's Jesus' message. And we see this all the time. So two examples. First, in politics. Um, in the 2020 election, one of the candidates said that, the, he goes, this election is, quote, a battle for the soul of the nation. And then the other candidate, when discussing his policies that he was running on, said, quote, I am the chosen one. See, this is Messiah language. They are saying, look, we're in a bad shape. Things might not last, but we can save you. Pick me and you'll be safe. And Jesus, thousands of years ago, was saying, guard your heart. Be on guard. No politician, no policy can save you from these things that are happening. It's all part of God's story and all part of God's plan, so don't be lured away. But this also happens on a personal level. When the elder board uh, in our church in Taiwan, we were discussing what we're going to do if China invades. I remember the week before, I was waking up in the middle of the night with stress dreams. And it wasn't because of fear of safety, per se. Um, I remember waking up in the middle of the night and thinking, if I'm not here, how is this church going to make it? Or thinking, if God doesn't wipe out President Xi, what hope do we have? And see, in that moment, my heart is running to things other than Jesus. See, I'm running to my own plans, my own ability, my my vision for how God should organize world events. And God's saying, don't do that. You will want to run to somewhere else, but endure, remain with me. Now, I don't know what this looks like in your life. I don't know what wakes you up at night. I don't know what things you feel like are turning your world upside down. But one day, your life will be turned upside down. Something will happen. It could be cancer. It could be persecution. It could be the end of America, which, historically speaking, is guaranteed one day. And Jesus says, don't be alarmed. Be on your guard. Remain with me. Um, in The Fellowship of the Ring, the first book, there's a spot where Frodo and the other hobbits, they're walking through the forest. But this forest is alive, and it's dangerous, and it's actually out to get Frodo and his friends. And then in the middle of the forest, Frodo and his friends meet this character, Tom Bombadil. And Tom finds the hobbits, he invites them home, feeds them, gives them a place to sleep, and as they're getting ready to go to sleep, Tom says, let us shut out the night, for you are still afraid, perhaps of mist and tree shadow and deep water and untamed things. Fear nothing, 
for you are under the roof of Tom Bombadil. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. The world is dangerous. The world is deadly. But we remain in his house. We don't let our fears cause us to get up and run outside beyond his care and protection. There's this other part where another character is describing Tom Bombadil. And she says, Tom Bombadil is the master. No one has ever caught him walking in the forest or leaping on the hilltops under light and shadow. He has no fear. Tom Bombadil is master. And in this world, Jesus is the master. He's the master of time. He's the master of history. He's the master of all events. And only in his house we are safe. So be on guard. Don't be lured away. Endure. Remain in his home. So you can ask yourself, what's causing you to fear? Where are you being drawn away to? So the destruction of the temple tells us God is working things according to his plan. And this means for us that we have to be on guard, not be lured away. And last, the destruction of the temple means that Jesus is the only hope in this unstable world. You know, talking about the final judgment is difficult for modern people. <clears throat> there's, whenever you bring it up, there's kind of this tension in the air, like, how could God judge anyone? Or, why would we look forward to that, right? That's a huge question, but this passage answers a small piece of that. There's a kid's book that I used to hear my kids when they were a bit younger, and it tells the story of these three siblings who go out into the forest exploring, and they've got, you know, flashlight and their rope and their backpacks and their tools, and as they travel through the dark forest, they encounter more and more increasingly frightening things. Until finally, at the very end, they meet this huge bear, and they drop all their stuff, and they run back home, and their mom welcomes them back, and they're safe, and that's the end. Now, the interesting thing is, when they went out, they had their tools, they had their supplies, and they were ready. But once they headed for home, they didn't need those anymore. Once you get back home, you don't need your rope and your flashlight because you've got everything you need right there. You have someone to welcome you and love you and take care of you and protect you. And Jesus is saying, the temple is just like those supplies. See, the temple was so important because for the Jews, the temple represented God's presence. But when Jesus comes, and then we put our faith in Jesus, and he lives inside of us, Jesus is God's presence. So the temple represented God's promise and provision to his people. But then when Jesus comes, Jesus is God's provision for his people. The Jews needed the temple because it reminded them that God, through sacrifice, would forgive their sins. But the temple didn't forgive their sins. Jesus was the sacrifice that forgave his people's sins. So in some ways, the temple had to be destroyed because the temple was just the tools. The temple was just the thing you needed while you were waiting for the real thing to show up. 
And Jesus is saying, now that I'm here, you don't need the temple anymore because I am everything the temple was pointing to. And this brings us back to the final judgment. See, when we think about the final judgment, there's this idea that God's going to stand up and say, okay, good people here and bad people here and bad people too bad, so sad. Or he's going to say, all right, come give me your report card. We'll see how you did. And if you did good enough, you're in. And if you didn't, sorry, you didn't make the cut. But that's not how the judgment day goes. Rather, it's everyone has brought evil into the world. All the natural disasters, all the violence, all the problems started with us. That's the first part of God's story. But every person who puts their faith in Jesus is saying, Jesus, I will let you take God's judgment on yourself instead of me. See, Jesus, when he's on the cross, Jesus Jesus was the only perfect person. Jesus is the only one who perfectly understood history and was never afraid because he thought God might get something wrong. He was the only person whose heart was never lured away. When Jesus is on the cross, God's judgment falls on Jesus. And what this means is, no matter what kind of person you are, If you put your faith in Christ, you know that the worst events in history signal your homecoming. God is coming, and when he comes, he will look on you and welcome you home. Not because of what we've done, but because Jesus did for us. And every moment, every event in history becomes a sign that gives us hope. It becomes a pointer to who God is and his grace in our lives. And nothing else can promise that hope. But Jesus does. So because our world often seems upside down, Jesus on the cross turns our relationship with God right side up. And because of that, we can be on our guard. We can remain with Christ. And while things are shaking around us, We don't need to be shaken. So this week, what does that look like for you? What does it look like to remain with him? And how do the worst things in life point you to the best thing in life, which is Jesus himself? Let's consider that as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you prepared what we needed and could not prepare for ourselves. Speak to us this morning. We know your presence, I know your grace, and love you more. Just say I pray. Amen.